What's going on, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the Full Court Blitz Sports Show. Make sure to use that link, anchor.fm forward slash Anthony McCulley. That's M C C U L L E Y. Again, that is M C C U L L E Y. When you get to the website, just please make sure to uh, hit the follow button if you want to be notified of every. If you want to be notified when I do upload. And also just make sure to, you know, uh, share the podcast around as well, as well when, uh, if you guys enjoy the, the content. So I definitely appreciate that. Also, again, guys, with the support, you guys are absolutely killing it. 459 total plays right now. You guys are just going crazy. Thank you guys so much. Um, but yeah, so we're back. And, um, what a crazy couple days it's been, you know, with, uh, all these, you know, all the, all these sports things happening going on right now. It's definitely kind of interesting. So I would like to point out that everything that, you know, all the news that we, we ended up having today are still basing on the week one slate of games, you know, there's still kind of things, you know, there's still news coming out after this, you know, after that week one set of games, obviously now week two officially started. So, okay, so let's get into it. All right, so how about Robert Woods, guys? An extension of four years for $65 million. So this is being brought to our attention by Ian Rappaport, per a source informed. The extension, get this, it's worth $68 million in, you know, in maximum, in maximum money, including $32 million in guaranteed. In guaranteed new money. Woods gets $4.5 million in new money in the two existing years of his contract already. Which means that by 2022, the first year of the new extension, is set to pay, it would be paying Woods essentially $13.5 million. Essentially, he'll be making, he'll be receiving $18 million in new money through 2022. He was ranked 76th in the 2019 edition of the top 100 players. And, um, yeah, so he also has played pretty consistently up to this point, or up to that point, I should say, since joining the Rams in 17. Caught 232 passes for three for 3,134 yards and 13 touchdowns to go along with that from 2017 to 2019. Now, if you put that in a perspective of Two years, you may say, oh, in a season, that, that seems pretty legit. But you put it over the span of two years, like they said, 2017 to 2019. So, 3, 000, so you're, you're, you're putting 232 passes, 
3,134 yards for 13 touchdowns. You're putting that all in the span of two years. Now, that this is like something that you would see in one season. And this is expanding from two years. But also keep in mind that he's also dealt with injury as well. You know, throughout the throughout that time. So he's missed, you know, he's obviously missed a couple of games. And, um... You know, not only not only that, it's just the fact that, you know, like it goes on to say here, he's been operating largely out of the spotlight, meaning he's not really playing as the number one guy, so he's ain't going to get the ball as much. He's not really, essentially meaning he's not really in the game plan as much. So not only is it, you know, a couple, you know, a couple bruises here and there from injury, but, you know, not only that, but mainly large part due to the fact that He's not really in the game plan a whole lot. And when he does get the ball, it's not very much. So you may be like, oh, well, that's not a lot. You know, he, he's only scoring. He only fucking had 3,134 yards for 13 touchdowns. You may be like, well, that's fucking ridiculous. But if you look at it from a perspective of he's barely, you know, this is actually pretty good for a guy that's not really playing essentially playing from the playbook like this like he's not essentially he's not even the guy that no I want to go to this I want to bring up this I want to bring up this question do you think do you guys think and let me know what you guys think about this is it possible that this brings up possible you know, motive in the future to want to leave. Because the way I look at this is, this this is like the Rams, this is like what the Rams are saying. I mean, obviously they do believe in them, but this is essentially how I see it panning out. You're like, oh, you know, th- this would be Robert Woods. You're not giving me any, you know, you, you know I, I'm playing out of the spotlight. I, it, you know, I'm not really... You know, I'm I'm getting the stats I'm getting from 2017 to 2019. This is coming. Th- these are stats that a guy would get in a season. I feel as if I, you know, if I was Robert Woods, I'd be like, I almost feel like you guys aren't really trusting me because I'm not really a part of this offense. I don't really feel like a part of this offense because you're not, you know, really. You know, I'm not really ever, I'm not totally ever really involved in a game. You know, I almost feel like I'm being left out and I'm not really a part of this offense. I'm not really a part, you know, part of the, you know, part of the, a part of the uh, playbook that week. Would, could this pretend, and I could be wrong too, but could, do you think this could stir up any problems? Because obviously no one wants to play on a team that, you don't really feel like you're involved. No, obviously he is involved because they fucking gave him a four-year contract. I understand that. But could it start f- problems in the future that, you know, maybe it's not happening now, but is it potentially possible that it happens in the future? You know, is this maybe the beginning of, you know, is this maybe the beginning of them kind of turning away from him after, you know, after the four years are up? Is this, is this like, the final, you know, the final four years of him being on the Rams. I don't know. That's kind of far-fetched, but I I did want to bring up his stats. Um, 
And because it's so early on the year, I'm, I figured I could do 2020s and 2019s, so I'll do 2020s first. Actually, I'll do 2019s first. So, regular season, he had 90 receptions for 1,134 yards to go along with two touchdowns. Okay, that was his 2019 season, his 2019 campaign in a whole. This was 2020. Six receptions up to this point for 105 yards on zero touchdowns. So, now obviously it's still very, very early, so you can't base stats on anything. But it's just to give you an idea of what he can do. And obviously everyone knows that. But, um, yeah, so, again, let me know down below if you guys think that that's any way possible. I, I think it could be, maybe in the future. I, I guess I would say, as of right now, I would say that there probably is nothing there right now. But it's very well possible in the future. You know, after these four years are done, that he, you know, that that could potentially be a thing. You know, that could potentially be a problem there. But, um, yeah, anyway, so... C.J. Anderson officially retiring after seven professional seasons in the NFL. So, he's coming off of, you know, a 2019 year. He's playing off, coming off a 2019 year, playing with Detroit. Final year was 2019, now retired. So, okay. Let's see here. Okay, now it goes on to talk about how... And you guys have to let me know if you guys, you know, if you guys agree with this. His football journey includes two rises from irrelevance to the spotlight. And you're right into the sunset retirement with plenty of fond memories. C.J. Anderson's pro football journey included two rises from irrelevance to the spotlight. I mean, anyway. F officially announcing his retirement on Friday, September 18th. Calling it quits at age 29 after seven professional seasons. Reached the NFL as an undrafted free agent signed by Denver, where he existed in obscurity until his second season in 2014. Get this, in 2014, he rushed for 179 times on, 80, on 849 yards, earning him one Pro Bowl selection as part of a Broncos team that finished 12-4 before being upset by the Colts in the divisional round that year. Is this the one time of irrelevance that they're talking about for one of the two times of irrelevance to the spotlight that they're including? So you're 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 willing to tell me that this is probably a team that they're gonna say that was I mean, would you consider a twenty fourteen Denver team overrated and or overhyped? I think that any team and I'm not even going to admit it. I'm, I'm not even going to deny it. 
New England's my team. Whenever they get to that point, I mean, obviously it's a little bit more consistent than most teams. There's a lot of hype on them too. But they don't show it as much. So, in that sense, I would yes, I would I would agree that Denver was probably an overhyped team that year. Not even overhyped, just hyped up. Just a hyped team. That was, you know, being talked about for that whole week prior to that game. In 2015, get this, in 2015, he rushes for 720 yards on five touchdowns. Plus, he reached Super Bowl 50 with that team. Scored Denver's lone touchdown in the game. Well, you guys know, the rest is history with that one. But, um, yeah, so it seems as if that they're using, see, I don't know. Obviously, those were his best seasons, clearly. I mean, as a running back, I feel like in, in any situation, injury is, you know, even just as a running back, injury can, you know, because if you're like maybe middle linebacker, you know, any of those defensive positions, except for like with the really, really heavy guys, I am talking like corner, middle linebacker, outside linebacker, right outside linebacker, you know, offensively, maybe a, a tight end, a wide receiver. I feel like in all those positions, a guy gets hurt. They don't really seem to slow down from all these injuries until their late 30s. He was 29 and retired. And he's also a running back. So you probably feel it a lot more after every year. You know, you probably feel where those injuries happened every year after every single season. Is it possible that it was a body uh, you know, was it was is it potentially maybe something to do with you know kind of like what Rob Gronkowski did, possibly because of his body aching so much and you know because of that the the love of the the love of the game of football kind of went away a little bit. Is that possible? I I'd like to say it's deemed as possible because obviously if you are always hurt, not even always hurt, just if you're hurt. Pretty consistently every year. And I'm not talking about CJ Anderson, I'm just saying in general. If you if you consistently get hurt at least one time at least one time a year and you're a running back, you gotta you gotta think that over time, you know, whether it's playing through injury or maybe not letting yourself go to 100% and then continuing to play at a high physical position such as running back you got to you got to think that early on in your career you're going to start feeling that and so is it possible that something that that happened here with CJ Anderson it, it is very well possible i guess it's something we probably will never know i would like to hold on to the theory that he prob that it, it's potentially it's 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 highly possible. I, I like to hold on to that theory, uh, for argument's sake. But um, yeah, we again we will never actually know. But I did want to cover his stats real quick on that twenty nineteen campaign. 
with the Detroit Lions. Now keep in mind this wasn't very good. I mean, obviously he's he's had, you know, better seasons, but I guess if if it is injury, you know, in his body, then yeah, I, I don't really blame him for not having the best of stats this year and this, you know, this this season. But his training team campaign with Detroit looked like this. He only played two games out of 16. Had 16 rushing attempts for 43 yards to go along with zero touchdowns. Get this. This is kind of mind-boggling. So he essentially, his his long, his longest run, his longest rush, rushing attack, his longest rush was less than was less than a first and 10. It was a it was 9 yards. So, he rushed he only rushed one time. Or oh, hold on. So, okay. I read this wrong. Hold on. I didn't read it wrong. 16 attempts. He had 16 rushing. He had 16 rushes that only went for 42 yards. 2.7 average yards per game. His highest of his career, let me check here, would have been his 2017 year with the Broncos. And that that would actually... No, it's not. My bad. It was 2018 with the Rams, actually. With a 7.0 average rush per gain. Average gain per rush, excuse me. And that was back with the Super Bowl 53 team. Led team. I believe. Yeah. Super Bowl 53 blood team. Which, I'm not going to lie, I can back that up because that was actually a pretty good season for him. I mean, the dude went for two two touchdowns, 299 yards on 245 rushing attempts. Or 43, I read the wrong line, 43 attempts, rushing attempts, for 299 yards to go along with 40 to go along. Okay, so it was a little bit more wacky. He went, he went two touchdowns. 46 was his longest run with 18 forced. With, I can't speak. With 18 first downs gained. So, yeah. That was... 2018 has nothing to do with this argument. I just wanted to talk about his his best, you know, average rush per game. But, um... Yeah, so... I keep messing that up. Average gain per rush, excuse me. Anyway... So I just wanted to give you guys some perspective on that. 
how he goes from a 2017-2018 campaign to just two or three short years later, he averages, he goes 43 yards on 16 rushing attempts. Usually when you hear someone say 16 rushing attempts, and you know that the positions are running back, usually when you hear rushing attempts, 16 of them, you usually like to think they're in the upper, you know, maybe a couple hundred rushing yards. But he only had 43 in 2019, and this is a whole. And his whole career as a whole was 71 games played only. 776 rushing attempts for 3,497 rushing yards. 4.5 was his average rush per gain. Was his average gain per rush. Excuse me, I cannot stop doing that. 22 touchdowns as a whole with 46. 48 was his longest as what they're going to average there. 174 total first downs. Three fumbles only. Three rushing fumbles lost. So there's, again, just to kind of give you some perspective on that. But, um... Anyway, this was pretty interesting to me. So, Eagle, this was back on, actually it was today. Well, the day I'm recording, September 18th, next, uh, yesterday when you guys are watching this. Eagles are hosting former Falcon running back Devontae Freeman. So, Mike Garofalo reported this on Friday. Per the transaction wire, Mike Garofalo adds that nothing appears to be imminent between the two sides, and Freeman coming in could wind up being just a visit and workout in case the team wants to look into him again at a later date. Earned Pro Bowl nods in 2015 and 2016. This is was history. Released by Atlanta in March on March 16th after six years. Finished the 2019 campaign where he had 140, 184 carries for 656 rush yards and two and two touchdowns. With 59 receptions for 410 receiving yards and four touchdowns. So as of recently, he's been linked to the Seahawks and more recently the Jaguars over the fa- over the past few months. In July, Freeman hired well-known agent Drew Rosenhaus as his representative after f- parting ways with former agent Kristen Campbell. So, I, I don't know. I mean... I'm kind of curious now. This Eagles team. Because. I think they're looking at it from a perspective of a backup, you know, a backup plan B. Should something happen. So, Corey Clement, Boston Scott, Jason Huntley, and Miles Sanders is the running back room right now, currently. 
So I'm wondering if are they looking at a you know, I don't know what a backup plan B would be because I feel like this is a really good running back room they even have in the first place. So why you would be looking at Devontae Freeman, I don't know. I'm curious though. I'm just trying to I'm just curious if Okay. I actually totally forgot about this. I just now got reminded of this now. Okay. So Okay. So this makes it a little bit more clear. I actually completely forgot about this even happening and now I I got reminded of it now actually. Miles Sanders was held out of I want to see this article first. He'll be on a Okay, so he was held out of Okay, so yeah, he was sidelined last Sunday with a hamstring injury that is now fully recovered. So, okay. That does clear a lot of things up now. So that that is so this hosting would be because to replace Miles Sanders. So this is a backup plan B should something go wrong with Miles Sanders um you know in this game. So they're looking at you know potentially signing Devontae Freeman if so they're going to play Miles Miles Sanders this Sunday week 2 or do they play Sunday? I just want to make sure I get the day right. Anyway, I don't know why I couldn't find it. So, so should, should essentially all it is is essentially if should something go wrong with Miles Sanders when they play him, their backup would then to be to sign Devontae Freeman. Probably wouldn't be a wise decision though, because you're most likely not going to keep him for you know the rest of the year. Because I feel like he's not that type of guy where, you know. You you get them, but then you just get rid of them as soon as your as soon as your your main guy comes back. Like he ain't just like a pick up and dump type of guy, you know. Like you're gonna want him for the rest of the year. Then, like there won't be a point to just drop him. So then you're making another decision: who do I start? Well, obviously you go by experience. Devonte Freeman's got that. So obviously you'd go Devontae Freeman. But um Yeah, so 
I think what we're going to do, though, is we are going to take a break here. And when we come back, we will go in to finish the rest of these, uh, the rest of the news here. So we'll be right back. All right, guys, welcome back from that break. Sorry about that, actually, for not being able to find the game for the Eagles. I just now found it, and I completely missed it. Sunday at 12 against the Rams. So that is my apologies. I didn't see it. Okay. George Kittle, actually. So this was something that I actually kind of was wondering about because it was kind of in the news, not really all week, but it was something to look at, you know, whether or not he was going to play week two. And uh, he has now officially been ruled out week two versus the Jets. So it was kind of something that it sounded as if it's, that's what it was leaning towards, but we didn't have the official nod that that's what it was going to be. Um, but yeah, this is what they had to say. George Kittle, tight end George Kittle suffers his knee injury. He, he suffered it in the first half of San Francisco's week one loss to the Cardinals. Despite not practicing all week, Kyle Shanahan says on Wednesday that he is, uh, that he is quote, fully expected, that he fully expect, that he fully, that he quote, fully, end quote, expected Kittle to play Sunday. After signing a five-year, $75 million extension August 13th, Kittle caught four passes for 44 yards and wasn't much of a factor in a Niners season opener, especially after Hutbrick extending his knee. No injuries ever timely, but Kittle's absence will come at a bad time with San Francisco's receiving cores. So ravaged, the Niners had to send Mohamed Sanu this week. So yeah, it is once again continuing for this San Francisco team who is just getting battered with injuries. You know, it's usually not something, and you know, I get you don't want injuries at all, but let alone week one. You know, you have 16 game slate, 16 game season slate. And then that week one matchup, you hurt you. You could have hurt anyone. You know, anyone could have got injured and ends up being one of your best players on offense. And George Kittle. And I want to give you guys some perspective on how bad this 49ers team has. You know how bad of an offseason this 49ers team really had. Um. Just want to kind of give you guys a perspective here. I'm trying to see if I can find some. Anyway, I'll have to post that for you guys when I can find it. Um, probably after after this video goes up, after this episode probably goes up, I'll get it out to you guys sometime tomorrow probably, or some sometime today when you guys are watching this. So, but yeah, 
it definitely sucks to see Ottawa, you know, not only George Kittle, who is probably arguably one of the best tight ends in the league up to this point. And then to see him go down with injury is just so, you know, it's just, it's so hard to watch because, you know, this is a team that, you know, Coming to this offseason, we thought, oh, you know, this is, you know, this team can only get better from here. You know, coming off of a Super Bowl appearance in Super Bowl 54. To having possibly one of the worst offseasons you could ever have for a team as far as coming off of, you know, as, as far as coming off of a Super Bowl appearance goes, this is probably one of the worst offseasons a team could have. And um, no one expected this. Obviously, you can't like I, like they said. You can never expect. You can never you know time an injury. If you could, teams would be you know teams would always be okay. But the fact that they're so untimely, it's just so hard to you know measure. And I'm gonna keep an eye on this. Um, as in, I want to get you guys the the you know the most notable injuries. This, this 49er team receiving core has taken. And I'll also add George Kittle on there as well, even though he's going to be in the podcast. I'll put like the whole breakdown of it probably on maybe as a bonus episode tomorrow, most likely. I don't know if you guys would enjoy that. I might do that actually when I can find it. So anyway, AJ Brown, Titans wide receiver. With a knee injury ruled out versus the Jags for week two. So, Mike Vrabel announces Friday that his wideout could miss week two as he deals with a knee injury. Was listed as limited for Wednesday's practice before sitting out Thursday and being ruled out Friday. The issue could explain his quiet performance in Monday night's opener in which he caught just five passes for 39 yards. Coming off a rookie campaign where he was a big play monster, gobbled up 1,051 yards on 52 catches. That's 20. That's 20.2 yards per catch. That's actually pretty insane. Brown was expected to have a massive year two. It's gotten off to a rocky start this far. So, this now leaves, in case you guys were wondering... In the wake of A.J. Brown's injury and how much this will hurt this Titans team. We're not really, well, yeah, in a way, depth, depth, depth chart wise, depth wise. They'll be leaving on former second round, first, excuse me, first, lean on former first rounder Corey Davis as Ryan Tannehill did in week one. Slot receiver Adam Humphreys and tight end Johnny Smith should see their targets increase against the Jags defense that gave up 357 passing yards and a win over the Colts last week. So you're still in some pretty good hands. It's not like you're putting your, you know, your whole, basically a whole another game on the line for just rookies. Like these, you know, we're talking about guys that know the offense, veterans of the offense. They've been there long enough to know that, you know, they've got to be available. You know, they've got to be ready whenever their name gets called. And this is their time, you know, all three of them in Corey Davis, 
Adam Humphrey and Jeff, and Adam Humphreys and Johnny Smith. Johnny Smith, uh, I think, will probably, you know, be a little bit more. I feel like he might block a little bit. I know George Kittle is kind of used that way too. Or, you know, my bad. He's kind of used the way George Kittle is used for the 49ers. In a way. Like John New Smith will, you know, and, and Rob Gronkowski, they will both block, they're all block, you know, pretty, pretty well. And um, that's why, you know, I, I've made a video on the, uh, an episode, of, you know, I put it in, the, in an episode in the past about the tight end position really kind of going away. But that's for a different day again. So, again, they're relying on Corey Davis, Adam Humphreys, and tight end Johnny Smith. Now, if I was a Titan fan personally, I would be upset about this A.J. Brown injury because to hit, because he's like a – because if I was a Titans fan, that's like losing Julian Edelman for me as a Pats fan. Like that's what AJ Brown is lo losing. AJ Brown is like is like losing Julian Edelman for the Patriots. So, yeah, and I mean, again, they're in some good hands. You know, these guys they play well, and they the 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 good thing is is they all have some pretty damn good chemistry together. They play well together. You know, they, this is a team that they've played on together for a little while now. And what better trio than these three guys? I think that they can get it done this this Friday. This Friday, this Sunday. Cannot talk still. And, uh, yeah, so there's that. And then, let's see here. What else we got? Okay, Chris Godwin, actually, a stone concussion protocol, doubtful for Sunday. So, this is what we got here. So, concussion. he suffered a concussion in week one, as we all know. Looking to take a step forward, now taking a step back. It is reported that he was at Jersey, that he was at practice with Jersey, with his Jersey and cleats. Bruce Arians told reporters afterwards the receiver is still going through concussion protocol and is doubtful for Tampa Bay's Week Two game against the Panthers. The history of this the injury happened Sunday in Tampa Bay's loss to the Saints by a score of thirty-four to twenty-three, as you guys know. Didn't show symptoms of the concussion until Wednesday, leading to his entry in the protocol. Godwin caught a team-high six passes for 79 yards Sunday. Well, look at this. Posted a 1,333-yard nine-touchdown season in 2019 in his first campaign over 1,000 yards in his three-year career. So, that's just to kind of give you guys some perspective of what they're really going to be missing here. So, Tom Brady and the rest of this Buccaneer team looking for their first win. 
I mean, when it, when it, when you guys, you know, and obviously that's their whole focus of this week is to, you know, to get this win. It's not ideal to be like, oh, you know, we're only losing, you know, they're not going to be like, you know, cause obviously it's not realistic to, you know, have, you know, such, you know, such a young player, but already looking at them like a star on the team. It's actually kind of crazy to say. You know, they're not going to go into this week and be like, oh, you know, it's 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 totally fine, you know. We're only trying to win a game here, and not, you know, and now we're losing a guy that we consider to be one of the best on our team in Chris Godwin. It's not a big deal, though. Like, I feel like that's how they're going into this week. Like, you know, this this totally doesn't help at all. Like, this totally, this totally will help us win a game, just losing one of the best players on this offense. You know, I feel like, it's just that it's not ideal. You know, this is a week that you're, you're putting a lot of focus in. You obviously know what you did wrong coming off of week one. You know, you focus hard. You, you, you work your ass off this whole week to find out that one of your players that's considered a, that's considered a startup to this point in many people's eyes is now going to be out for this game. And you've got to think that that's not going to help. But when it also comes to Tom Brady, you know, again, they've never really had a quarterback, though, that could really kind of make these right, you know, to make the right adjustments that is needed to win this game. You know, Jameis Winston is a mediocre quarterback, maybe a little bit under that at that. He's not that type of quarterback. You know, he's not Tom Brady where... You got a major ass fork in the road, such as losing Chris Godwin, and you know, and he can just go out there and act like it's any any other game. Because as we've seen with Tom Brady in the past with the Patriots, like he would like remember what season was it? The twenty seventeen year, he didn't have Rob Gronkowski a couple of times, and Julian Edelman was out a couple of times. Both, you know, they were both out for a couple of games in a schedule and Tom Brady had to adapt and you know he ended up adapting well by hitting Danny Amendola a quite a bit of times you know quite a few times you know so that's just not something James Winston could ever really do and so whenever the going got tough for a guy like James Winston you know losing a guy like him he would just play like terrible he would play terrible Get him back. He played well. Pretty, played pretty good. Tom Brady is really good at adapting. He may not have shown that he that he had a very you know, he may not have shown one of the better games of his career. But you know, it's unrealistic to think that he ain't gonna be that he's gonna be perfect. But um, you know, obviously, in knowing that he's gonna have to adapt now, and um, I'm expecting. Here's my hot take. O.J. Howard stands out in this game. I think O.J. Howard scores two times. And in total, he has 200-plus yards of offense. You know, for individual stat-wise. Two touchdowns over 200 yards. 200-plus yards. In total, total receiving yards. 
I think that's the type of game he's gonna have. I think he's gonna. I think he's gonna go off. I think he's gonna play well this game. I'm also expecting Rob Gronkowski to be a little bit more involved. Only had, only had a couple catches. I don't exactly remember the yardage, but it was a couple. It was a couple. It was a couple couple catches. And um, you know, he mainly played. I was actually a little bit surprised. I thought he was going to be a little bit more involved that game. But he almost played as if he, he played the same way that he did that final year in New England. You know, mainly blocked, probably had a couple touchdowns, not a lot. Probably had like two or three or four. Probably had about two or three. But mainly blocked. And that's the kind of game that, you know, Rob Gronkowski showed on Sunday, last Sunday, that he showed, you know, he, he that was the Rob Gronkowski that we all knew back in New England for that fight those final couple of years. But um yeah, let's move on here now. We have Bengals tight end CJ Uzoma suffering a season ending torn Achilles and loss to the Browns. So this is coming in on Friday the eighteenth from last week's Week one loss to the Browns. Or actually, no, only a couple days. Actually, only yesterday. Hold on. Yeah, Thursday night. My bad. So yeah, only yet, only two days ago now. So after losing two days ago to the Browns. CJ Uzoma's season is now over with a torn Achilles in Thursday night's loss. Zach Taylor did confirm on Friday. And um, Uzoma played a key role in his first two games with Joe Burrow. In two tilts, he caught 8 of 11 targets for 87 yards and a touchdown. Already effective. 11 targets. Drew Sample will see his snaps increase the rest of the way. Bengals could look to add depth to the position with Seathan Carter, the only other tight end on the active roster. Mitchell Wilcox and Mason Shrek are currently on the Bengals practice squad. Most likely will one of those guys may get called up depending on the severity of, you know, depending on how they're looking you know, come come next week. So, yeah, there's that. And the uh, next thing we got here is these last couple things now are actually NBA. So, Sacramento, is a, the Kings are now officially hiring Monte McNair as their general manager. They've officially confirmed the hiring of Monte McNair. New head coach of new head of basketball operations Thursday, as was reported yesterday by the Athletic. McNair's title will be in general manager, and he will report directly to Sacramento Chairman Vivek Ranadiv. Ranadiv. Um, Vivek, the chairman, says in a statement by saying. 
Quote, Monty, Monty is one of the NBA's top basketball minds who has played an instrumental role in building several winning teams in Houston. I am excited to bring his extension, his extensive experience and vision on board to lead our basketball operations department. And it's my pleasure to welcome Monty and his family to Sacramento, end quote. Although McNair will be the lead decision maker, they're still keeping interim GM Joe Dumars on board as the chief strategy offer per the team. That means Dumars will, quote, help drive strategy across the organization's entire portfolio of activities, including business, basketball, new ventures, entertainment, and real estate, end quote. So, you know, still kind of obviously in that rebuild mode, still bouncing around, you know, bouncing around that front office, always kind of needed when it comes to rebuilding. So that's nice to see that that's happening. Um, Sacramento, though, you know, they are looking, they're not looking as bad anymore. You know, I think that they are getting to a point where, you know, they could potentially start talking playoffs. I mean, it sounds a little bit crazy, but I mean, you look at the Suns and you already kind of start talking about that with them. So, you know, you, you know, I think Sacramento, you know, it's kind of, you know, just now getting to that point. I think that the Suns are a little bit more ahead of them when it comes to approach to winning. I think Sacramento is just a little bit behind there, but I think that they are just now catching up and they're just right around the corner of a little bit of success. So I cannot wait to see them potentially in the playoffs here, you know, here soon. I would like to see it happen. It may not be a very good series, but, you know, they might, I could see them getting, you know, probably the eighth seed. But, uh, yeah, so anyway. And then this was the last one we got today. The 2020 NBA draft is delayed again. And the next season, and the next season will now probably begin after Christmas. So... Or, okay, yeah, so I did read that right. So, this was first talked about by Sham Sharini again of The Athletic. On Wednesday, the NBA officially announced that the 2020 draft will be moved a second time to Wednesday, November 18th. It will be televised on ESPN. This was his tweet, so Sham Sharania. NBA's league office informed Board of Governors today that the 2020-2021 season won't begin earlier than Christmas Day, November 18th draft date, 2020-21 start date, remain fluid. So, start of the 21 season, at the time of the season restart last July, they were hoping for a December 1st, you know, December 1st, um start to the year, but it's now looking as if it'll be after the 2021, 2021 calendar year. So this is for two potential reasons why they're doing this. One, 
One reason which is pretty obvious if you think about it is that the teams in this year's finals were at risk of not having much of a break before the following season because, you know, they have to have, what is it, five, six months off at least um, to make it a, you know, to make it a, uh, what am I trying to think of, to make it a official off season. So, and the second projected reason is because, the second reason is because of a supposed New second wave of coronavirus is reportedly supposed to happen in the late fall and winter. Now, obviously, you can't say that that's true until it happens because you really cannot, you know, you really cannot, what am I trying to say? You can't really... How am I trying to say this? You can't really predict when another wave is going to hit. But should that be the case, yeah, it's a good idea to hold off. Because obviously, as you guys all know, they're looking to play with fans this upcoming, you know, with this, when this whole new season kind of, you know, we get a whole new fresh, fresh season. They obviously want fans. So should there be another wave of the virus? Yeah, they're going to want to wait because they're going to want to play with fans. So, yeah, I think that's a good idea. You know, and I think that this is also, you know, maybe potentially a ratings move. They know that their ratings took a huge-ass hit this past season, you know, with the restart. That they know that if they have the fans, that helps a whole hell of a lot. You You may think, well, the fans don't do much. Yeah, well, they add excitement. It adds the intensity. The fans and the fans add the intensity at, to these games. You do that, it raises rate TV ratings. That's exactly what they want, and then that gives the NBA, and then that also gets the NBA money as well. But um, yeah, guys. Anyway, that's gonna wrap up today's episode. Please let me know down below when I link all my social links down below. Let me know on those accounts. Let me know what you guys thought of today's episode. Let me know your guys' thoughts and opinions. I'd love to talk to you guys about certain things, about, you know, what you guys thought. And uh, I'll give you guys my perspective on things. Again, I'd love to talk to you guys about this stuff. So, um, yeah. Again, though, please make sure to use the link anchor.fm forward slash anthony-mccully. That's M-C-C-U-L-L-E-Y. Again, that is M-C-C-U-L-L-E-Y. Once again, the link is anchor.fm forward slash Anthony dash McCulley. When you get to the website, please make sure to hit the follow button. If you'd like to be notified of, if you'd like to be notified when I do upload. And uh, also just please make sure to share the podcast if you did enjoy today's episode episode, or if you just enjoy the, the podcast in general. Also, just please make sure to rate the podcast on both Google and Apple Podcasts. I forgot about that in the beginning. I definitely appreciate that as well. But again, guys, this has been the Full Court Blitz Sports Show. Thank you guys for listening, and uh, see you guys later.